GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. Why is it that we feel uncomfortable talking about certain subjects? And are we aware of the consequences of not normalising these conversations? Today we meet someone who's going to talk to us warts and all. Let's meet Jo. Jo, tell us a little bit about your journey with prostate cancer. How did that start happen and how did you deal with it? What happened? Well, at one point I started to get some symptoms, um, which um, obviously were not serious, but uh, then later developed to be of concern. And um, I had my PSA uh, tested and that obviously the results showed that there was an element of uh, concern in, in these results, even though they weren't serious at all. So there was a period of monitoring um, as to how things were developing. Uh, but then subsequently to that, um, obviously, uh, I was um, recommended by the urologist at uh, St. Bernard's Hospital uh, to have an MRI, uh, which I had to go to Spain to, to have and um, that MRI showed that I had two small legions inside the prostate. Um, and then the next step was that I should have a biopsy uh, done to basically confirm whether it was prostate cancer or not. Um, uh, and I opted out to having these um, um, uh, biopsies done in the UK basically because in Gibraltar, the biopsies at that time were being done through the rectum. Um, and I was advised by friends in the UK that that was no longer the practice. And in fact, it was actually uh, not as reliable as having it done through the uh, perennial area, um, which is the area between the testicles and the, and the rectum. Um, and therefore, I decided that I would go to UK and have, have it checked there. I did, um, and that confirmed that I did have uh, two malignant tumours inside the uh, uh, prostate, and therefore they were given, I was given a number of options in terms of treatment, and I opted out to have um, the prostate removed. I think that um, the choice of treatment depends very much on the profile of the patient. Uh, in other words, how, how developed the, uh, the uh, cancer is, um, the age of the uh, patient concerned, um, and therefore I opted out to have it removed on recommendation from the urologist, both here in Gibraltar and in the UK. And so I went through the process of having the prostrate uh, removed. But I have to say that um, when uh, 
I was diagnosed that I did have prostate cancer, the world fell apart. Right. Uh, I think the idea that uh, you are told that you have prostate cancer is, is very daunting. Uh, you think that your days are then counted. Um, and I have to say that um, obviously I had a lot of support from my family and friends, but also the fact that um, I decided that I was going to seek uh, help uh, from Postrate Cancer Gibraltar and uh, they were absolutely amazing because uh, they supported me all the way. They gave me a lot of advice, not medical advice let me say because Postrate Cancer Gibraltar does not give medical advice but what it does give is give advice on others by others who have gone through the experience um, and um, they have come out well at the end of the game. Um, and therefore, you know, I uh, opted out to getting that sort of support and then eventually ended up being sent to the UK to have my uh, prostate removed. And um, I have to say that during that time, I, uh, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of research like I normally do in order to make myself absolutely sure that I knew exactly what I was doing and what I was letting myself into. And, um, the fact is that um, uh, throughout that time, um, everybody in, uh, in the prostate cancer group um, was extremely supportive. So I went to the operation and to surgery knowing exactly what I was going to expect. From the day before surgery through the actual surgery itself, and what was going to happen the, 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 the night of the operation, the morning after, and the whole thing was very, very, very um, uh, sort of well, I was very well informed. But in reality, um, every case is different, let me say. Yeah. I mean, and I've learned that subsequently to that. Um, and I've learned that uh, uh, although you have different uh, different variations to the same theme uh, I think most although all cases are different there is um, uh, the majority of, of us that have to go through this um, have, have gone through a very similar experience um, and therefore you know I uh, I was extremely grateful for the support that I actually had um, all along um, I think the most important thing is the fact that um, early detection does save lives yeah. and, um, and therefore the main objective uh, of prostate cancer Gibraltar is to actually uh, encourage men over the age of 50 and even earlier in some cases if, if some relatives and uh, those in the family some there is an element of uh, these uh, these sort of cases coming through almost in families where brothers are all got them. Is it genetic? Uh, very much so. Uh, from, in, in the majority of cases, not all, but uh, in the majority of cases, there is definitely uh, uh, a clear evidence that uh, that if, say, your father or your brothers or have had uncles have had uh, prostate cancer, I think your likelihoods are that you should check yourself earlier and probably monitor yourself much, much more closely uh, yeah. to ensure that uh, you safeguard your position. That's, that's what I wanted to go uh, back to, the symptoms, because it does kind of give you very odd symptoms, if any.
And there has always been and still remains a very, very big issue with men, their private area and going to seek help. Many yeah. people do not go to the doctor, uh, do not want to think about it, pretend it's not there and then it's too little too late. So what symptoms did you have or what would be the most common ones that people might come across that might make them think, I'm going to get it checked? Well, uh, I mean, there are a variety of symptoms. I mean, the most common ones are actually is uh, the fact that, that you feel like uh, uh, urinating um, regularly throughout the night. And then you find yourself that maybe going to, to the bathroom possibly five, six times a night. Uh, that is one very common symptom. The other symptom is that you feel like actually urinating, but you actually don't urinate or urinate very weakly. Yes. Um, and therefore, uh, those are, are symptoms, the most common symptoms uh, that uh, I personally found myself uh, finding going very regularly uh, to, to, to the bathroom during the night, um, which I had never done before. Um, and then the fact that I felt like uh, actually uh, urinating and finding myself uh, that I actually did not urinate at all because I, maybe I'd had I'd been to the loo only a, 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 a half an hour before. Your bladder was empty. My uh, bladder was empty. Yeah. So these are all symptoms that, uh, that create a uh, uh, thing. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of men, and as you say, men don't like doctors, right? They don't like going to the doctor, and specifically, they don't like to go to the doctor, especially to check themselves on this, because pre, in, in the past, some years ago, one way of checking the prostate was to actually give you uh, a rectum uh, examination, which is not something that, uh, unfortunately, I went through it, uh, and I can tell you it's not a good experience, but nowadays that does not happen. They use the PSA uh, as the main, in, uh, the, the first indicator of, of a problem, and if then, if that shows uh, a raised level outside yeah. normal sort of uh, uh, scales, then you move on to have an MRI and if the MRI shows that you do have a lesion, then you go on to having a transparanal uh, biopsy, um, which is much safer and uh, less uh, daunting. Uh, and then obviously, depending on what the outcome of that is, then you have the ability to be able then to take whether you have a problem or not and what action can be taken in order to, to rectify it. So the, one of the things stopping men, apart from the fact that they don't like doctors, is the exam, which you have now clarified has changed in right. uh, recently, not, not that that long ago. No, in Gibraltar it was, uh, it was basically uh, possibly a, a year and a half ago. Right, so let's um, clarify for a PCA, because hmm. many people might not what, know what that is. It is a simple blood test where they measure the levels, uh, the cancer yeah. It Basically it's a, it's a prostate specific antigen, and it's basically to check the level of the, well, the tumor marker, yep. basically, in the prostate itself. Um, it's a very simple blood test, like anybody, any other blood test. Um, and uh, you're able to uh, then start the ball rolling. I mean, the PSA, it doesn't necessarily, because you have a raised PSA, it doesn't mean you have prostate cancer at all. I mean, an infection can affect the PSA. And therefore, you need to make sure that, uh, that you don't get too alarmed by the results. You still have to go through the process. It's just a stage process. So first stage, P 
PSA, second stage MRI, third stage biopsy. And then obviously, if you're diagnosed with a positive result, then obviously there are different types of treatment depending on your circumstances. No treatment is the right treatment. In my case, I had my prostate removed because I was 60 years old. Um, obviously, removing the prostate means that you cannot, you know, you, you basically cannot reproduce anymore. You don't have any children. You don't want any children. So at 60, you know, you find yourself in your circumstances where you don't wish. It, it's not a big issue for you. Yeah. And therefore, you need to uh, um, take whatever decision. Normally, the urologists are very good at, at uh, suggesting. And let me say that we're very lucky um, with the urology team team that we have at St. Bernard's Hospital. We've got very good, two, very good consultants, very committed, work, work extremely well with, uh, with our, our, our group. Yeah. Um, and we really are doing a lot of things together in order to try and improve the level of uh, care that we can offer potential patients and subsequently patients themselves. Joe, looking at the, the, the nitty-gritty of the effects of uh, prostate cancer, um, it doesn't affect everybody as such, but there will be um, urinary um, problems. There will be perhaps erectile dysfunctional problems. Mm -hmm. It can affect your sex life. Mm -hmm. It can affect your feelings as being a man. It can affect your relationships. Yeah. How do you, I mean, you have your buddies, which is a great support network, but you mm -hmm. know of a lot of people who have gone through that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, the two, the two most important uh, uh, negative effects of having your prostate removed um, is obviously um, urine control. Urine control is, is, is incredibly uh, important, obviously. Um, normally, after a period of time, you start regaining the control again and you are given pelvic exercises to do in order to strengthen your your ability to be able to control urine some there are cases of people that you know walk around years after the operation still wearing sort of uh, male nappies if you can call them that um, those that uh, those those there are those that don't suffer from that at all um, and there are those, it all depends on the, on the success of the operation from the point of view of the ability to remove your prostate and having to go through a, the nerve system right. in the area. Um, if they have to have a lot of uh, uh, cutting of nerves in the area, then obviously you are more affected than others. So there isn't one complete outcome of this. And then secondly, the... Uh, Erectile dysfunction is something that obviously is of, uh, of concern um, and uh, affects a number of men as well. Um, and uh, there, are, there are ways of, of addressing that as well. Um, and uh, there are solutions to it, whether they actually uh, are actually solving the, the problem or not. Uh, but there's a wide range of, of do that. And as you've just pointed out, I mean, we have a prostate buddies um, group where we have over 100 men uh, in, the, in the group. Uh, and we meet once a month. Um, and the idea is that we all meet and share uh, our own experiences, our problems, and maybe somebody raises an issue. 
which may have been uh, suffered and overcome by, by others and how they have done it. And it, it's a hell. It, it helps tremendously. I, I had a lot of help when I returned back uh, to Gibraltar after my operation in, in having the groups. I attend every meeting uh, because I committed myself um, in the same way as I was given the support that I needed at the time in trying to support and give uh, time to whoever is, requires it. Be it in the group scenario and sometimes on a one-to-one -one basis completely outside the prostrate uh, scenario. There are people that come to the buddies meeting but feel shy or you know they're, they're sort of people who don't want to share their own experiences yeah. etc but may then come up to you and say, look, uh, let's have a coffee sometime. I'd like to have a chat with you. Because on a one-on-one. On a one-to-one. -one. Mm. Uh, and obviously we deal with these matters extremely, well, totally confidential. Uh, and we do not uh, share information, even between us in, yeah. uh, in the committee. Uh, because, you know, people's confidentiality and private affairs should remain so. It's, it's so important to talk, isn't it, to normalise these issues because it would get you the answers and the help so much quicker. Mm. Um, the buddies are doing a great job and you have changed things with regards to prostate cancer in Gibraltar. And I think you mentioned, correct me if, they're wrong, if I'm wrong, there's a walk-in clinic now? No, that's one of our, oh, that's one of the that's things one on the of our objectives for the current year. Um, we've been working very closely with the GHA, with the urology department in particular, um, because the whole idea is to have a much more open door uh, situation. I mean, you may wake up one morning, for example, and you can't urinate, and you're stuck there, and you turn up in A&E, and A&E have their sort of obstacles and hurdles, and maybe the idea is for patients who, who have any problem at any time can walk in to, uh, to the walk-in clinic and see, be seen either by a specialist nurse or by the urologist consultants themselves. And the idea is that they will be able to have, you will be able to have access to them yeah. in the state. I mean, it's not, a 20, it's not going to be a 24-7 uh, um, sort of facility because not even in Guy's Hospital where they do have uh, a walking clinic and, and in which you, we are basing ourselves um, for the model for, for this, um, do they have a 24-hour service? They have certain hours of the day, certain days, but at least it allows urology patients to know that there is that element of, of support available yeah. in case of need. And I think that's, that, that's most important. I mean, we've gone already, we've progressed quite a lot with the GHA in this area. Uh, additional rooms have now been allocated for the urology uh, sort of division um, and we're now working because we are intending to be able to support the GHA with the purchase of uh, specialized equipment in order to have this fully kitted out with, yes. uh, with all the requirements that the urology department requires. And let me tell you that even though uh, obviously our main focus is prostrate, uh, we are basing our, our, our model on urology generally. So there are uh, the facility for not just men who don't have prostate but may have urology related problems and also women, women okay. as well. I mean, we purchased uh, equipment for the transperanal um, 
um, equipment uh, biopsies to be able to be undertaken last year. The charity, uh, in cooperation with sponsors, uh, raised in the region of about £200,000 to purchase this equipment, which has gone a long way to uh, be able to offer a much more uh, sophisticated and uh, efficient uh, ways of doing biopsies. But this, this equipment actually does have the facility to be able to do uh, diagnostic um, uh, on patients, including women who may yeah. have renal problems, uh, postnatal problems. True. And, and, Pelvic and floor. So, yep. so our, our intention is obviously, and our main focus is, is, is uh, obviously prostrate because that's what we stand for. But we are looking at the wider community and the wider needs of the, the community. And going on to the fact that you just mentioned about uh, the importance of uh, partners and wives and things. Yeah. We find we've, we've found ourselves in the last couple of years that more and more women were coming to us with problems. Not problems about themselves, but problems about their husbands. Right either getting them to have their tests mm -hmm. when they didn't want it, and therefore they wanted to try and see whether we could actually encourage them. And the problems that they've had with their husbands from a partnership type of, uh, in their relationship. And so we found ourselves in some sticky situations, really. So what we've done is that we've now recruited um, uh, a lady as part of a committee member, a lady called Lydia Vardaquino, and she has now joined the committee. She's been with us now for nearly a year. And she has now taken on the responsibility of dealing with that aspect of the, uh, of the equation in order to support wives and partners of, of patients that are, are going through the problem. Yeah. Because there is a lot of post-surgery care and tender loving care that needs to come into the equation because yeah. Unfortunately, there were partners that found themselves in a situation where they weren't very supportive of their husband because maybe they didn't understand what the problems were and what was being what the problems were creating. I think there's now much more information available, much more flow of uh, of support, and therefore there is a lot of information. And in fact, it won't be. We we find we even discussed the possibility of allowing. Uh, women to join our buddies group, but then that would have Take uh, away taken from, away yeah. the the buddies from basically opening up yes. in a much which is our main focus. So, yeah. but we now have this uh, division within us who is focusing on on women and uh, relationship and support that we can help her, and that has worked very well for a number of people. You know, a lot of people have shown extreme uh, support and appreciation to the fact that they have uh, been able to support their husbands and their partners yeah. in a much more sort of productive all, way. All positive, all good. So yeah. where is Joe Holiday today? Are you healthy, looking forward? Well, I mean, uh, I had uh, my operation, uh, I had surgery three years ago in October uh, uh, October 19, I think. Yeah, time flies. One forgets. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, and then what happens is that uh, basically uh, I am monitored. I have my PSA done regularly. Um, and um, as long as my PSA stays within certain limits, you know, basically I can sort of 
shout from the rooftops that I am cured. It doesn't mean that next time, you know, uh, I go for my test, my PSA may be raised and therefore it may need some attention, but I don't have a prostrate anymore. Okay. okay so my PSA could, could increase. There are a number of buddies that have gone through, through that. And then the next step is that they give you possibly a radiotherapy uh, uh, treatment. I had my prostrate removed and I, I, I remember going to see the, the surgeon 12 days after the operation, which is the time that, uh, that they allow you to, to sort of recuperate and go and see him. And I went in there and I said, well, you know, and I was hope, well, I was thinking that I was going to be told now you, we have to need to give you radiotherapy or an element of chemo. I, I didn't really know what to expect because there have been cases of that. Um, and my medication, you know, what I thought I was going to have to be on medication now for, for whatever it is. And he said, no, no, you've, you have lost your prostate. No, you don't need any further You're treatment. You're good to go home. <laughs> no, no tablets. And I thought, well, you know, I take tablets for other things, let me tell you, but not for, not for, for actual uh, uh, prostate. But look, you know, one cannot say cry, cry victory ever. Ever. Uh, I think that uh, we're all exposed to, to yeah. what may come. So uh, hopefully things will remain as they are. And whilst they remain as they are, I will continue to support the uh, prostate group in, in Gibraltar and uh, work tirelessly to, to try and see and make life as easy as possible for those that unfortunately have to go through this. And there are a lot of numbers that, uh, that have, uh, it's, it's one of these things that awareness has enabled uh, the, the problem to, to escalate. And, uh, and I think problems have always been there, but I don't think people realize what the problems were until now that we have more information and are more, more aware of what, uh, what the problem can and cannot be. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.